0: You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com.
1: Good morning, Calvary Church. So good to see you, and I am happy to worship the Lord Jesus with you today, whether you're here in person or you're watching online Thank you so much for joining us today as we get ready to kick off this year's Christmas series. As you saw from the video, as we've been talking about, our series is called When the Fruitcake Hits the Fan. When the Fruitcake Hits the Fan. I love the name of this series. I want to just say a quick thank you so much for your hospitality and your generosity and for feeding our family over the last couple of weeks that we've been here. That has been a tremendous blessing as we've made a huge move in our lives to come join the staff here at Calvary. Uh, it, it's a huge transition for us, and you have made that so much easier by your generosity and the food. And I got to say, if there's one way to speak my love language, it's to show up my, at my front door with some food, okay? That's just the way it is. And so if you're bringing me food, God bless you. I love you. If you haven't had a chance to bring me food, I'm open. I'll open my calendar to you because I love food. But speaking of food, Let's go ahead and talk about this idea of when the fruitcake hits the fan. I got to take just a moment and tell you, as a confession, this is going to be no surprise to you. I love cake. I love, Can I just get a witness? Who else loves cake? He's like, you could be stuffed from Thanksgiving and it doesn't matter, you love cake. And I know you're watching at home, you love cake too. And I like the fact that we get to talk about cake. So I want to talk about cake for just a minute because cake is one of the most amazing things that God ever allowed us to enjoy. Okay, it's just one of the most amazing things because there's so many ways to enjoy cake. There's all kinds of different ways to make cake. I mean, have you ever stopped and thought about it? Today, you're going to think more about cake than you've ever thought about in probably uh, your entire life, because there's so many different ways to make cake. There's chocolate cake, vanilla cake, red velvet cake, tres leches. There's sponge cake, coffee cake, crumb cake, carrot cake, and cheese cake. There's spice cake, pound cake, upside down cake, short cake, birthday cake, wedding cake, cut cakes, and pan cakes. And if you want to get really spiritual, there's devil's food cake and angel's food cake. There is all kinds of amazing cake out there that God intends for us to enjoy. But that does beg the question, And talking about all of this amazing cake, how in the world did fruit cake make the cut? How in the world did fruitcake get into this mix? How many of you have ever received a fruitcake at Christmas time somewhere in the past? Yeah, I know you have. We all have. Comedian uh, Jim Gaffigan, he makes this observation about fruitcake that's just it's it's amazing. He says, "How is it that we get fruitcake? You take fruit, which is good, and you take cake, which is great, and you put them together and it's totally nasty." I I, I don't know the laws of physics when it comes to baking a fruitcake, but it's just made with pure awfulness. So if you're like, I was going to make you a fruitcake, but now I'm not. Okay, I'll try it. I'll try the fruitcake. But in the display cakes of all the years of your life, if each and every one of the years of your life was a cake and it's put into the glass display case for the whole world to see, you would have to admit that this year in 2020 has got to be the fruitcake of the years of your life. Do you know what I'm talking about? That of all of the years that you have lived some of them great, some of them maybe not so great, that 2020 has got to be the fruitcake. There is just this intense stress and pressure and anxiety that our culture is facing, and it's made its way also into the church, and we're trying to manage like never before with this incredible tension in our lives that we've never had to experience before. This incredible stress in our lives. Never in our lifetime have we seen such an increase in panic and anger and frustration with people, with one another, people who are are desperately in need of proximity and relationship are told to be distant and absent from the presence of the people that they love and they like and they want to be around. Never before have we seen such an emotional anxiety that's charged this season of the year, especially around the holiday season and following on the heels of a very intense election we're having to manage a stress that perhaps we've never had to manage in our lives. And we don't really have the tools or the mechanics to cope with some of these things. And some of us, if we're just being honest with ourselves, our time with God has been lacking such to the point that our our, our life of, of the spirit has started to drain a little bit in this process. And I just want to encourage you today, I'm here to bring you a little bit of hope that in the next few minutes that the stress will go down, the joy will go up, and this, this This tumultuous season of our lives doesn't necessarily have to be the fruitcake. It doesn't necessarily have to be the fruitcake. And here's the hope and the encouragement that I want to bring to you this morning. And this is really the big idea where we're going to focus our time and our attention around for just a few moments. And that is this. As we walk into this Christmas season and the stress of this season, you have a Savior in a second. In the stress of this season, you have access to your Savior in a second. Very quickly, no matter how intense things may get, you as a child of God have access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Direct access to God through Christ Jesus, the Spirit of God indwelling in you. In the stress of the season, you have access to the Savior in a second. That's the hope I want to give you these next few moments. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, so if you have your Bible, paper, or digital, however you interact with God's Word is great. You can open that up to Luke chapter 2 as we talk about the stress of Christmas, when that fruitcake of our life just hits the fan. You know, a lot of people, they like to think that the world in which we live and the world of the scriptures are two totally different things. That that was then. This is now. That was there, and this is here. But I, I, as I look through the first Christmas story, there's so many parallels between the first Christmas and the Holy Family and our Christmas, even today in 2020. And you have to understand this Christmas story, if you were born and raised in church like I was, then you probably can recite all of the scriptures. You've seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special every Christmas. You know the Christmas story. But perhaps if you're tuning in even online, this is your first interaction with Jesus or with church or with Christmas from more of a religious perspective. And I'm just here to tell you that this Christmas, just like the first Christmas, God is still working for your good and his glory. That God is still working. Now, think about the story of the first Christmas. An angel visits Mary. She's going about her day and then communicates to her that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. That's like big news. I don't know what, I don't even know what hashtag you put with that. That is huge news. But at this point, she's engaged to Joseph. Joseph is trying to decide whether or not he should break off the engagement because she's going to become pregnant, and they are not quite married yet. The social stigma of that then is a little bit heavier than maybe we experience now. An angel visits him in a dream, tells her, no, you know, marry her, stick around with her. You know, you're going to have influence in the life of the Messiah. And so he does. And now as we go to Luke chapter 2, here's what happens. Mary has submitted herself to God's plan for her life, a little bit of a fruitcake. Joseph has submitted himself to God's plan for his life, a little bit of a fruitcake. And this is where we are in Luke chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. In verse 5, he took Mary with him to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And we know who that child is, right? And that's the hope of Christmas, is that child. Now, just a little bit of an aside, just because it's funny. Older versions of this text say, and Mary was obviously pregnant, which is like, you don't do that. Like, you never assume anybody is pregnant ever. And so they've they've updated that. That Mary was expecting a child, and that child is our savior. But even from this first Christmas story, even to Christmas today in 2020, we have the same similar story stress points, the same similar things that cause anxiety to rise up in our hearts around this season of the year, that the first family did. That the first family did. And those three stressors are family, traveling, and changes. The same three stressors from the first Christmas are the same stressors today. Family, traveling, and changes. Now, we get the honor, we get the luxury of mixing COVID into the fruitcake batter here and having to deal with mandates and masks and lockdowns, and, and it makes nothing but a mess. But the same three stress points exist family, traveling, and changes. Let's just talk about this first stressor at Christmas time called family. Look, if we're being honest with each other, we all love our family. But when you mix a lot of personalities in your family, and you extend it out to cousins, and you mix all those personalities together in one place, and tensions, they, they run a little tight. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Nobody wants to admit that. That when you put this incredible group of people who are called your family, who you're related to by marriage or blood, in the same room together, tensions can run a little bit high. Blood pressure rises, tensions flares, words can be exchanged, it can absolutely be stressful. And if you look at Luke chapter 2, we see that same stress point, we see that at play here as well, that Joseph is a descendant of King David, A lot of times at Christmas, you'll be sitting around and people will ask you the awkward questions, right? Why aren't you married yet? Why don't you have kids yet? Why don't you have a new job yet? And and it creates this anxiety in your life. And Joseph is a descendant of King David. Can you just imagine what you have to live up to when you're a descendant of King David? Like I've even thought about James, who's the brother of Jesus, who writes a letter in the later New Testament that we call the book of James. Like, can you just imagine if Jesus is your older brother? Like the family tension, that why couldn't you just be more like your brother? Well, he's Jesus, he's God. Those are big shoes to fill. But there's family tensions and family stressors that make their way into our life. And it's like, hey, Joseph, no pressure, but you're from the royal family of King David. There's going to be a pressure maybe there to be a high achiever. And what do we know about Joseph? We know he's a, what we would call a carpenter or a stonemason. You know, we're not talking like he's living in a palace somewhere. He's living in a peasant village. See, we should never underestimate humble beginnings because God can work incredible miracles through the smallest of circumstances. And so the Messiah is not going to be born in a palace to a king. He's going to be born in a barn to a peasant. But isn't that just like God to tell an incredible story in this way? Joseph from the royal family of David. This really fulfilled the scripture that the Messiah, the one who would come to save his people from their sin, would be from the family line of David. If you remember back to when the angel visited Mary, the angel said to her uh, that this child that you're carrying would sit on the throne of his father David, and of his kingdom there would be no end. That the kingdom of Jesus can never be stopped. It can never be masked. It can never be elected out of office. Jesus will always sit on the throne. He will be king forever. That will never, ever, 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 that's like a Taylor Swift song. Never, ever, ever change. It will never change. He will always be God. He will always be king. He will always be in charge. Are you feeling a little bit encouraged so far? that even in the stress of family, even when those tensions are rising, we're part of this incredible family called the family of God, to which our identity as a child of God grants us access to our Savior in a second. So your family, I'm just gonna suppose to you, is a gift from God. You have been given this family these children, these relatives, these parents to influence and to allow them to influence you. Influence them this year for the kingdom. Manage your stress, manage your expectations, have conversations before that crazy uncle comes over and makes everything weird. Have conversations with your family about what you will do and what you will not do. There's ways to manage your stress in this situation. But what you ultimately need to realize is that in the stress of the season, you have a Savior in a second. You don't have to be everything to everyone. And there's somebody here, you just need to hear that in this room because there's still this tension of Christmas has to look the same that it's always looked. Everybody's depending on me. Everybody needs me. And that may be true that people are dependent on you and people do need you, but that will drain all of your energy and you will not be refilled from the Spirit of God. You don't have to be everything to everyone. You can be present and available to the people around you, but you have to be in the presence of Jesus this Christmas if you're going to manage the stress. If you're going to manage stress this season, you have to be in the presence of Jesus. So listen, you don't have to be overwhelmed by your stress. The world has already been overwhelmed by his grace in a manger. You don't have to live overwhelmed by the stress and the weight of this world. The Lord carries that. We used to sing this old song that says, he's got the whole world in his hands. You don't have to carry that anymore. And some of you today, you need to just let that fruitcake drop into the fan. Just let it hit the fan and let it go. You do not have to be everything to everyone. You are a child of God. Your identity is found in a kingdom and with a king of whose reign will never end. Will never, ever end. Perhaps the greatest joy that you can receive this year is a present from the Lord. And that's just a spring in your step. You just sense it right as you walk through the stores, as you're as you're talking with your family, there's just this weight and this heaviness and this depression that that's kind of hanging over the whole globe right now. And it can be so easy to distract us from the fact that we are part of the family of God. So the first stress is is family. The second stress is traveling. Is traveling look, I love a good road trip. I love to travel. I love seeing sights. Over the the summer, our family, we took a little road trip. Uh, We went from South Florida all the way to Mount Rushmore before we turned around, and we just had a ball. We ate all kinds of different food. We got to see all kinds of different things. But you know that that traveling a lot, especially with little kids, is not quite as whimsical as a Christmas song, right? You know, like, (laughs) It's not really so much fun to ride in a one-horse open sedan with five people and two dogs for 10 hours or 20 hours or whatever the case might be. Wherever your travels may take you, it's not quite that whimsical because there's all kinds of details that go into planning out the trip and traveling at Christmas time. Where are we going to go? How are we going to get there? How much is gas going to be? What are we gonna to do to keep the kids entertained for this drive? You know, there's all kinds of details that have to be worked out. Have those conversations, work out those details. That will help you manage your stress. And traveling just comes with a ton of stress. And I gotta say, I have a whole new respect for people who drive trucks over the road. I've met a couple of you already. And I just got to say, the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you. I never want to drive a truck through West Virginia ever again. If you're from West Virginia, I, I don't know how you do it. Like I've always lived in like Kansas and Illinois and Florida. It's like flat, yo. Know? It's just flat. And then like we're I'm driving a moving truck, 26 foot box truck, not even the biggest truck you can get, but enough to make me feel manly, right? And I'm driving this truck through West Virginia, and I'm like. I'm like I'm coming home, Jesus. Today's the day I'm gonna die. I'm going down this hill. I, I can't. I had the brake. What if the brake gives up? It was so stressful. I, I never, never want to do that again. Like I will fly over West Virginia. I never, you know, like traveling. So all new respect for trucker. Okay, beat. Let's put that aside. Go back to Luke chapter two, verse four. Here's the crazy part. In the first Christmas, we have a travel happening here, right? Because there was this decree that there's gonna be a census taken. And it says this in Luke chapter two, verse four, it says Joseph had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. Focus on that word for just a moment. Joseph had to go there. He was compelled by government mandate to go somewhere and do something. They understand what it's like. He had to go to Bethlehem and Judea. It's interesting he had to go there because this is where David's heritage came from. This is where David watched his father's sheep. This is where David played the guitar to the Lord. I don't know if it's a harp or a guitar. I'm going to go with guitar in honor of you, Pastor Jason. But, right, like, so this is where David sang his songs to God. This is where he killed a lion. This is where he defended the sheep. This is where uh, he met with God. This is his home. This is where he met Samuel. This is where he was anointed the king of Israel. This is where David. David's life was dramatically changed forever. And because Joseph is from that family, he had to go back there. Through government mandate, he had to make his way there. They were on the move because of this mandate, this decree ordered by an evil governor. And listen, I just wanna tell you that God can still use evil people to complete his ultimate purpose and plan. That what they may think they're doing for their own good and their own gain is actually part of the plan of God, and God is working it out, right? Right? God is still in control. And I know that that sounds like a total cliche Christian bumper sticker, but may I just remind you that God is still in control. That no matter what plan and trip you have at work in your life, whatever your journey with Jesus looks like right now, Jesus is on that path with you. He is traveling with you. His spirit lives inside of you. You do not travel alone. You do not travel on accident. You're not even hearing this message today on accident. you're hearing this because the sovereign God had decreed before all of creation that you should be here and you should be called a child of God. Like, doesn't that just kind of like increase, like make you kind of sit up a little straighter? The fact that God cares enough about you that he wanted you to hear this, that you are his child. He can still use evil people to accomplish his plan. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. We believe that our road trip albeit stressful and scary through the mountains of West Virginia, was ordained by God. When we loaded up three kids and two dogs and a minivan and a moving truck, we believed it was for God's greater purpose. It wasn't a mandate from a government. It was a mandate from the King of Kings that we should be here. And what amazing things God has in store. If we will turn our eyes back to Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, right? You remember that song? That the purposes and the plan of God is with you right now. Can I just encourage you this Christmas, no matter what orders and mandates are passed down, that you can experience the grace and the fullness of God like never before, even in your living room, even in your car, even in your lockdown, whatever it may look like, that the grace of God is available to you, that you have a savior in a second in the stress of this season, that you are not Alone, God's grace is with you on the path you are traveling right now. There's stress of family. There's stress of traveling. And the last stress, really, this is probably the hardest one. is just the stress of change. Just the stress of change. I'm kind of a creature of habit, and I'm a creature of nostalgia. I like things to be the way they were last Christmas and the 38 years of Christmases before that. I like certain traditions and rituals. And honestly, it has been a grieving process to see the change in that. Like when I turned on the TV on Thursday morning to watch the Thanksgiving Day parade and it looked different, I lasted four minutes and I turned it off and I streamed a parade from like 20 years ago. Why? Because we're just creatures of habit. We, we don't really like change. Like we like the idea of change and the end result of change, but we don't really like the process of change. And every year, it seems like, it never fails, I'm sure you get this too, that we get a letter in the mail from a family uh, a family member or a friend who, who's telling us all about their year. And they're telling us all about like what the, the kids did or the grandkids did. And those letters are always like up, right? They're always like positive and like encouraging. There's never really like the negative kind of stuff there. But it feels like in this fruitcake of a year called 2020, that like, what do you write about? What do you talk about? What do you say? It's been so intense. What do we do with this? But the fact is, is that this Christmas carries a life change that's so different than any Christmas in the past. I mean, COVID has literally had its effect on our dining room table And I think at that point, that's when we get mad about it. That's when we get angry with it. But we have a choice to make when we get mad, angry, and stressed, and and we feel defeated and deflated. We have a choice. And what happens a lot is that people will tend to retreat rather than engage more. It's because we're so upset, we don't really know what to do, we don't really have a coping mechanism for the change that's happening. We'll tend to retreat back into our shell, retreat back into quiet, and, and, and hide away in anonymity and quiet and seclusion. When I'm calling you to like come out and come together safely, appropriately, and respectfully, I get all that. But, but to lean into the fact that it's going to look different. Lean into the fact that it might be a Zoom Thanksgiving or a Zoom Christmas or whatever the case may be. You have to find a way to cope with that stress and the reality of the situation that we live in right now. And that's hard to do. And it's it's honestly, like, can we just admit it? It's not really fun. I mean, seeing you in two dimensions is, like, good, and I'm thankful for the connectivity that we have that we've never had in generations past. But a multi-dimensional experience of sitting around a dining room table... Enjoying Christmas is a whole different thing, and that's going to look different. But what we've done as Christians, a lot of times in Christian culture, what we teach people is to deny the reality of what's going on, and we call that faith. I don't know why we do this, but we say, well, faith doesn't admit when things are bad. Well, that's not true at all. Faith doesn't deny the fact that there's a sickness, illness, disease, or distance Faith looks at reality as it is and says, but my God is greater. Faith looks at reality as it is and says that God can take a hopeless situation and turn it around. Faith looks at an illness and says, this may be what's printed on the report, but my God It doesn't deny reality. It looks at reality for all that it is. And it recognizes the reality in front of you. And we need to recognize the reality that's in front of us. And faith doesn't deny that. Faith steps into it and says, okay, what can my God do now? How will God be creative now? This is actually really interesting. Not depressing. It's actually really interesting. What will God do? Why? Because the kingdom of God will never end. That's what the angel promised Mary. His kingdom didn't end when COVID started. His kingdom didn't end when mandates started. So what will God do to carry the name of Jesus forward through his church? Don't retreat now. Don't hold back now. Lean into what God is doing in your life. Lean into the fact that things are different. You need to grieve that. Grieve it. It's different. It looks different. It feels different. But what could God do through you this Christmas to influence your family, to influence your path and where you are. In the stress of this season, you have access to your Savior in a second. In the stress of the season, you have a Savior in a second. I'm gonna invite the band to join me up here as we begin to close and kind of focus our thoughts on the Lord here for just a few more moments before we all go our separate ways. But I want us to lean into the idea of what could God do? Like even though twenty twenty does look different, like what what could God do through me? What could God do through our church? How can we lean more into Calvary Care's campaigns? How can we lean more into uh, small groups? And how can we lean more into ministry in and around the church and, and to people who, who who maybe don't have access to getting out in public? What can what can we do to be a blessing? To be the hands and the feet of Jesus even now, even in the midst of crazy. Even in the midst of this fruitcake of a year, in all the years, in all of our lives, this, this world has been gifted this fruitcake called 2020, and we feel like it has hit the fan. But even when it hits the fan, it doesn't change the fact that God is still God and we are still his people. That has like not changed at all. And the Great Commission didn't stop because of a government mandate to go into all the world and make disciples of all people. That didn't stop. So how does it carry forward? And that's where I think it gets exciting. What could God do through his people in the stress of the season? How can we introduce people to our Savior in a new and a powerful and a fresh way this year like in no other year before? Perhaps you need to hear this from the psalmist, from Psalm 46, verse one, that God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. Leave that text up there for just a minute that God alone is our refuge and our strength. That where do I go? I'm feeling depressed and defeated about what 2020 has brought me. I go to God. God is my refuge and God is my strength. And perhaps you haven't actually said that out loud. Your refuge and strength might be your 401k that's dwindled to a 201k. Your source of, of refuge and strength might be what you've been able to produce, but it's not on you. God is our refuge and strength, and what does it say? He is always ready to help in times of trouble. I mean, you can just admit this is like a time of trouble. It's okay. It's okay, again, faith looks at the reality of the situation and says, this is a time of trouble, but my God is ready, he's willing, he's able, he's here, he's now, he is Emmanuel, he is God with us. What is his name, Emmanuel? God with us. His middle name is literally with, he is with us. He is here today. Would you stand to your feet this morning?